One of them actually was in your bulletin. I don't know if you realize it or not. Okay, let's, here we go. Let's see if you can get any of them. Okay, if you think you have it, yell it out. All right? Interactive. Okay, what's red, white, blue, and green? A patriotic turtle. That's from Jessica, age seven, in Texas. What did one flag say to the other flag? Come on, somebody could get this one. Nothing, it just waved. That was from uh, uh, a girl from uh, Virginia, age nine. I'm not even going to say her name because I'll probably mess it up. Number eight, this one's from uh, Connecticut. Why did Paul Revere ride his horse from Boston to Lexington? Because the horse was too heavy to carry. (laughs) Oh boy. How is a healthy person like the United States? This one's a stretch. They both have good constitutions. Somebody's definitely going to get this one. I have faith in you guys. You guys, are, you guys are smart. You guys are good. What dance... Okay, think about this. What dance was very popular in 1776? Independence. Ah, come on. Somebody could have had that one. Um, what would you get if you crossed George Washington with cattle feed? That one wasn't that good. The fodder of our country. That's number five, too. All right, so here's the one that was in your bulletin. Where was the Declaration of Independence signed? On the bottom, yes. Sheila's got it. She knows. Can't get much past Sheila. Did you hear the one about the Liberty Bell? It cracked me up. Ah, see, Sal's on it too. Let's do one last one. Ah, that was not any good. Okay, what did King George think of the American colonists? He thought that they were revolting. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Alright. So, uh... Independence Day, right? So the title of the message here, right? The Pursuit of Happiness. Okay? The Pursuit of Happiness. So again, it may seem like we're digressing a little bit from Matthew. Because last time we got together, we talked about uh, the book of... uh, We're in Matthew, and we talked about chapter 19. And we talked about marriage and divorce. Um, Very uh, interesting, difficult, very relevant topic going on right now. Especially what just happened with the Supreme Court this past week. So we talked about um, marriage, and we talked about divorce last week. And, and I feel like we're not quite done with the conversation. I just feel like we're not really quite done. Just within me, as I pray about it, as I go through, uh, the temptation is to move on now to the next part in Matthew that we're going to talk about and tackle together, which is actually a really great section. I was kind of excited to do it. But I was like, no, you know, we're not quite done talking about that yet. Not quite done talking about marriage and divorce and some of maybe the peripheral ideas concerning it. And so, uh, so I'm like, okay, Lord, then you know, then let's go after that. Let's talk about that stuff. You know, let let's do that as a church. You know, let's talk about it. And uh, I had a very very difficult time sort of 
putting words to it, to it and communicating it clearly. So, all that to say, hopefully it comes out clear. And uh, I warned Juan in the back, who's got all the slides. I have a ton of slides up there. I don't even know which ones we'll get to or not. So he's got a very difficult job this morning. Um, so let's, uh, let's do this. Let's open up in prayer because I just want his words, you know, to come through. At the end of the day, that's, that's all I want. And so let's just pray for that. And then we'll just see where it goes. So Holy Spirit, again, we ask you to just come and just speak through your word this morning. Pray that you would just uh, open our eyes and help us to see um, the truths that are in here and, and how we can apply them to our lives. Show us your ways, Lord, so we could just faithfully follow in them. Pray that you would just uh, fill me, fill us with a sense of courage to carry out what you might be asking us to do. We might be having us to go. We know, Holy Spirit, you're trying to bring changes to our life. You're trying to bring us to different places. So we pray that we wouldn't shut that down and maybe be closed off to it, but we'd have enough courage to embrace it and take steps no matter how scary they may be. So we ask uh, for your will, for your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week what we did is when we talked about marriage and divorce, um, we talked about three key questions, really. We talked about what is marriage, um, when is divorce okay, which was the title of the message, and then we talked about like what if a couple, you know, falls out of love. So we talked about all that stuff. And... um, just wasn't really enough. And I figured um, that a big part of what we talked about last time, that I didn't really say out loud, but maybe, probably, was thought by people, like, where does happiness fit into the whole deal? Where does happiness, like, fit into the marriage? Should somebody just be stuck in there and just have to deal with it? And suck it up, like, for a period of time? Or, or does happiness, like, fit in there somewhere? And then, where does God stand on the whole happiness issue? Like, how important is that? Like, where does that rate? How important is that when He speaks to us, when He guides us, when He lays certain things out in our lives? Like, where is happiness on that scale? And I think it fits in and it's appropriate for Independence Day. Because there's a clause in there that has a little something to do about Happiness, right? And so, you know, I will read it uh, to you from the Declaration um, of Independence here. Unless somebody actually has it memorized, you might from high school. Does anybody have it memorized from high school? Probably not. It says, We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a big deal. This whole happiness issue. So when the country was founded and we wrote the document and we sent it to England and we said, we're, we're on our own now, we're going to do our own thing. A big part of what they said is because in order for the pursuit of happiness... What is that all meaning and how does that fit in for the Christian? How does all of that really work? It's also interesting. This past week in Time Magazine, there's an article that came out. Maybe on the slide before here we could see. Time Magazine, sure enough, um, one of the stories that they did, here's the cover on it, right? The pursuit of 
happiness, right? Just focusing again on this issue of like happiness. That was the cover story. Let me uh, share with you a couple of things from the study. It says that 25% of American women and 5% of men say they are taking antidepressants. Um, as far as food goes, 48% of women and 44% of men admit to eating to improve their mood. It says with self-improvement products and services, books, seminars, all that stuff, a $10 billion a year industry. And it says there's also, you know, borrowed wisdom, motivational speakers. They earn a collective a billion dollars a year. So we spend a lot of money, we focus a lot of energy on happiness and fulfillment. And it's interesting that, believe it or not, there's a World Happiness Report. You may not have known that, but there's a World Happiness Report. And the 2012 World Happiness Report, it's got 50 countries on there. Uh, with all the energy and money that we spend, we rank number 23 on there. Um, so the whole article, which is a pretty interesting article, and if you get a chance, you might want to read it this week and check out that Time article and see what they're saying about um, happiness. It was under, uh, you know, the author seemed to believe that the reason why, um, you know, the, the Puritans and, and the people came here um, was just to pursue happiness, and that was it. But actually, you know, there's a little bit more to that. Religious freedom had a little something to do with that. But it's an interesting article to read nonetheless. So, yesterday on Facebook, what I, on our Facebook page, um, I, put this, I, I did a video, I tried to do things a little bit different. And I think I'll try and do that more often, just to get people thinking about what we're going to be talking about on Sunday. Because even though you might know that we're just kind of going through the Bible and be sticking through our book and reading through it, you might not know what topics might be coming up. And so the subject of the video is just a quick one minute thing. Hey, basically in church tomorrow, we're going to be focusing on one subject. And before I, you know, we talk about that subject is, I'm curious what you might think it might be. And so the subject was, um, Satan is referred to as the father of lies in the Bible. That's basically his title. So Jesus says about him, he's the father of all lies. And I think some lies um, have been more successful than others. And it's in my opinion that right now there's like um, a, a very masterful lie going around that's uh, sneaked its way. Uh, into a lot of people's lives and even into Christian lives and into the church where it's been kind of cancerous. But before I told everybody, you know, what I think it is, I asked them, I said, what do you think maybe the number one, you know, lie that Satan, the enemy, the devil is trying to get across to people that he's done a good job with? So here's what a few people put down as far as... Um, what they think a successful lie that the enemy, the devil, has done. So one quote was, it's not your fault. So Satan has done a good job telling people that things, you know what, it's just not your fault. Blame it on somebody else. Second one, you do not need God. So this particular person left that post, they felt like the enemy, devil, he's done a pretty good job of, of conveying to people they don't need God at all. And one last one, um, they felt like Satan, the enemy, the devil has done a really good job as far as instilling a lot of fear and guilt into people to make them feel really just defeated and down and frustrated. 
So, it's interesting, right? And, and what we're going to talk about this morning is pretty similar to one of those. So here's what I think that like Satan the enemy has done a really good, masterful job with uh, just a lie that I think is just permeating everything. Personal happiness is best found apart from God. Personal happiness is found in the best way with God out of the picture. I think he's done a really good job as far as communicating that. I was uh, looking around and, and kind of just doing some like research, you know, online and seeing what people have to say about happiness and some of their thoughts. And, and you're around people all the time and you hear what people say. See these phrases and hear things like, and I read things like, stay true to yourself. Who cares whatever everyone else thinks? Do what makes you happy. Never live for anyone else. Do what makes you happy. Life is too short. Just do what makes you happy. The most important thing you could do is enjoy your life. So be happy. And I think that even for the Christians, like what we could do is maybe take some of that, which I'm saying from the outset is a lot of those are not true. But what we could do as Christians is we could take some of that and kind of twist it and then use God to justify it. Could definitely happen, which could be very scary. So again, we come to the question like, then where does happiness, you know, really fit in? Where does come with pursuit of happiness? How is this all going to work? Well, we're going to look at really just two observations, really, with this whole happiness issue and how this might work and what would be appropriate, you know, for a Christian to think about. So here's our first observation we're going to look at here. And I think there's a fill-in, I think, even in the bulletin, too, to help you out. So here's observation number one in regards to happiness. There's another H on the scene here. There's another H. Holiness is the predominant and primary work of the Holy Spirit. That's a mouthful right there. So we'll have to talk about that. Holiness is the predominant and primary work of the Holy Spirit. So there's another H on the scene, this, this word holiness. Like, this one matters to the Christian. So someone who calls themselves a Christian and has accepted Jesus Christ, and they said, I want to live for you, I accept Jesus, show me how to live. Whoever has done that, right, that makes them a Christian, this issue of holiness now comes on the scene. And it's like a threat. It goes all through the Bible, from the very beginning, all the way to the very end. And actually, it's not mentioned in Genesis at all, believe it or not. But it starts in Exodus, and then it just goes from there. And wherever God is, wherever God is, holiness has to be there. And by holiness, here's what I mean. So, so here's what I'm talking about with holiness. It means to withdraw from, to separate ourselves and do it in a sense where we focus on like righteousness or focus on purity. That's what I mean by holiness. Like separating ourselves from maybe, you know, something else or someone else or some other group or whatever. But we recognize that, oh, that could taint me. That could maybe pollute what I'm trying to do or how I'm trying to live. And so I'm going to separate 
myself from that. So holiness, this is a big part here. And so we said, right, our first part, holiness is the predominant and primary work of the Holy Spirit. So here's the big picture, right? Here's the big picture. So let's say someone becomes a Christian. They've come to that spot and they say, man, I need Jesus in my life. He is real. I need him in my life. And so now what we do is now we make a confession of faith. We go, Get your hands up, you know, knees, you know, on our knees. We're at our house. We're in, our, you know, the living room. We're in the car. We're with a friend, whoever. We make the decision in some place, and we say that prayer, and we say, "God, I need you in my life. I know it's right. I accept what Jesus has done, and I want to live for you." Boom! In that moment, in that moment. The Holy Spirit now comes in. Part of God Himself comes in. The Holy Spirit, that's the part of God, and now comes in as a deposit, waiting until the end for when we're actually in heaven. It's, it's deposit. We're sitting here you know, with a deposit. Guaranteed good funds, good money for when heaven time rolls around. So the fact that part of God comes and lives in the Christian. Now, if somebody's not a Christian, right, this stuff, it, it just, just doesn't really matter. It's not an issue. Happiness is the issue, and that's the most important part. But for the Christian, there's this thing called holiness. And sometimes it doesn't match up with happiness. Happiness, you know, can change depending on the situation, the day, the people. Who knows? It always changes. So you become saved. Part of God lives in us. And so now the primary... And predominant work for the Holy Spirit that's going to come in is to make us more like Christ. Not to bring us ultimate happiness. That's a really big thing to understand. That is huge. Because as soon as I've surrendered myself to God and have taken um, what Jesus has done for my own life, now what I'm saying is, Take me and use me in any capacity. So a lot of Christians, I think that might describe their lives, their, their faith as maybe stale, stagnant, dry. Don't know how seriously they're taking the holiness part of this thing. Because the part of God that's living in us, that's its primary and predominant work is to work us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so, the verse, right, that supports that comes up here. 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, I think. Hopefully it'll come up. I know I put one on the spot there. But it says, right, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's the primary predominant role. Look, we're being transformed into His glory. Like, that's the goal. So now, right, backtrack to last week. Marriage, divorce. We're in a marriage. We're in a relationship. It is difficult. And every fiber of our being wants to quit and wants to stop. And that's the reality for many. For many, for many. Every fiber wants to stop. And now the rubber has now hit the road. What are we going to do? 
Because if it comes down to happiness, if I don't feel like I love that person anymore, we never communicate. There is zero sex going on. In fact, I'm like repulsed by them. I don't want to have sex with them. All of these things now come together. I'm miserable in my marriage. If happiness is central and most important, then by all means, join right the other 80% of divorces that end up with irreconcilable differences. Happiness is the goal. But for the Christian, right, it's different. Now we're looking at it and saying, holiness is an issue here. How the heck am I going to do that? I want to quit. And so we've talked about submission to one another out of reverence for Christ, right? That's marriage. That's a huge element of holiness. And that's the thing that hopefully will keep us in there and keep fighting. And so what we want to do then is surround ourselves with like a, a people and a community that will help drive that message home and help encourage us on. Hey, stick it out. Do it in faith. Uh, there's a story, and I don't even know if it's true, um, but there is this woman who was uh, meeting with this guidance counselor, and uh, she's like, you know, I just want to divorce this guy. It's just, it's just not working out. And he says, well, you know, we, we could do that now. I said, but, you know, let me just give you one suggestion. One suggestion. Um, for three months, um, go back. Try not to not criticize him at all for three months. It's nothing critical. Just don't criticize him. And let's just see where you're at. So three months goes by and the guy ends up uh, contacting her and he says, okay, you know, are we about ready to you know, go through? And she goes, you know, no way. I'm taking off on vacation with him and we haven't been happier. You know what I mean? And, and again, I don't know if that's true, but I have uh, heard that several times, so maybe it is. But the idea being, that woman, right, had to come to a place where holiness, God's idea, God's plan for marriage supersedes what every fiber of my being is telling me to do. Man, that is difficult. That is so, so tough. To shut off and put, I can't even shut it off, but to put aside all of those emotions and all of those feelings that's like, no, I don't want to do it. No, no, no. And put it off because God says so. And then trust Him in faith and then march on in that. But they don't deserve me to be nice and they didn't do this and they didn't do that. So the step of faith comes in where you just tell God, He says, I know, just trust me, work it out. And it's not always a fairy tale happy ending. It's just not. But then for the Christian, right, the issue is holiness because that's primary and that's predominant. That's the issue that matters. Now sometimes happiness, holiness, like they match up and it works out because I also at the same time I don't think that God just wants us, you know, to just never uh, experience happiness and um, have sort of this ho-hum depressing kind of life. So I think on the flip side there's like no worse of a witness than a Christian who is just uh, down, 
depressed, distraught, discouraged, and just negative. That's just not a powerful witness. There's this three-letter word that should be a part of the Christian life that matters quite a bit. J-O-I, right? Joy should be a big part. And it's not because we could muster it up. It's because that part of God that came into us is filling us with this unexpressible joy. I mean, things could be falling apart literally all around us. And there's not joy that it's falling apart, but there's like joy and peace that we know who's in control and we know how much He loves us. It's big time. It's totally pursuit of happiness. Holiness. It's a big part. It's a big part. So that's one observation. One observation. Holiness is the predominant and primary work of the Holy Spirit. Here's a second observation. Holiness opens doors for us that happiness never could. Holiness opens doors for us that happiness never could. This is a big one. And so hopefully I do a decent job with this part because I think this part is really important because basically what I'm trying to say and communicate is that holiness is actually better and more fulfilling than what we would think happiness would be. That's a tough one to actually believe that. Legitimately believe that. So we said before, I mentioned before, that 80% of marriages right last week, irreconcilable differences. That's the reason they sided for their divorce. Could you imagine the type of man or woman that they could have become if they stuck to it and in faith surrendered and let holiness take its course? be amazing. Their kids would see it. Their friends would see it. People around them would see it. It would be amazing. But here's the true story. Ask any person what their life was like B.C., before Christ. Ask any person what their life was like before Christ and what their life is like now. Now, holiness has opened up doors and brought them places that they never, ever imagined. And if you don't know that, you really need to talk to some people that have truly surrendered their lives all together. Just, I'm all in with Jesus. Talk to a few of those people. Read a few of those stories. It's good for us to surround ourselves with that. That's why it's so good like, to read books and to be around that type of information because... Where I work, I'm not going to hear that. I don't know where you work. I mean, you're probably not going to hear those stories. It's not going to happen. I mean, I can tell you, even personally, right? So personally in my life, I was, I can remember sitting in fourth grade class, Mrs. Regan's class. And it was journal time. I remember sitting there. And we're writing in our journals. We had to present them. I was deathly afraid. Deathly afraid. But let me tell you why, because this is the important part. So I was deathly afraid because, you know, number one, you know, no hair. So that's like a big issue. That's like not an easy thing. 
And so what I did in fourth grade, so what I did is I had a hat on all the time. So I had this hat, teacher claws on me. I, I never wanted attention really drawn to myself. Because apart from the appearance, I, I didn't even really feel um, confident to talk or communicate to a group of people. I just didn't, didn't really want to. And, and I know now after the fact, that was really just like just this fear, you know, driving it. Just fear. So I remember her calling me. She's like, you know, uh, you know, Jared, would you like to read, you know, your journal entry? I'm like, no, you know. I didn't even say no, I just shook my head. I was like, nope. And uh, like everybody else in the class went, you know. And so she's, you know, would you like to read your journal entry again? No, 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 thanks. I'm good. Uh, and then um, she goes, well, everybody else in the class read their journal entry. And I was like, oh. And she just kept pushing it. And I was like, this is not right. You know, you can't do this. And, and so, but I ended up doing it. And so, like, through, t- literally, literally through tears, trying to, like, read this. I don't even know what was in there. This journal entry. So you got to understand that From my mindset and for, from where I come from, things that would have controlled me no longer do. I say amen. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. That changes everything. When you go all in, you say, no, I'm not going to you know, pray out loud or do something in public or, or do something. Who cares? Why would the enemy not just want to hold us back with some of that stuff? What do you think? Like he doesn't know how it might be able to be used later? It's crap to believe that nonsense. It's crap. But like, like, you know, we'll sit behind and we'll say, oh, you know, I'll pray about that. And, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know. And with real, no real intentions of ever really just taking that, you know, step and just like going for it. Where holiness is the issue here. Not necessarily, you know, Jared's uh, feelings, you know, or fears. And like, they're real and they're actual. But the deal is what I'm supposed to do. Just supposed to surrender that to him and just go. Whatever it is. If I give my brain a few seconds, it'll talk me right out of it. That's God's honest truth. And I'm sure it's probably your truth. Because holiness, right, is the issue here. That is the issue. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, if the Bible is true, we just stand before God. And so now it's just, what did you do? What did you do? Like, how responsible were, were you with what I have given you? Any days wasted. Any times wasted. Man, I will be so ashamed and I'll feel so bad if, you know, I, I talk with someone and, and I haven't grown in the past year or two, three years. It'd be horrible. That's like wasting God's time. Like, we got time to grow today, right now. I don't know what the step is. Maybe it's handing out bracelets. I don't know. Handing out whatever it is. Talking to whoever, praying for whoever. Just go and do it. It's not like this 
it's so weird how like church things can just happen. Like it's high school sometimes, it's like these clubs, and I talk with them, you know. But I don't talk with them, you know. We don't get along. We don't have stuff in common. Like it's family. It doesn't really matter. Age, background, whatever. Man, I'm just gonna love you. Throw my arms around you. We might connect on a lot. We might not. At the end of the day, I'm hanging out with you forever in eternity. So I'm gonna get to know you a little bit right now. And it would be foolish for us to think for a second that there's just not... Anyone can have something for us to learn, right? It's crazy to think that. That it can help us, help sharpen us. Holiness is big time. And these doors would never be open. We would never even see this kind of potential of where we might be if happiness was just really the goal. Because happiness is the goal. We just stick to what's comfortable and what we would like. And I remember even asking that on the mission trip. And I was like, and these guys just got back from a mission trip. And Josh will be talking about his pretty soon, right? A couple weeks maybe. Tell him what he did in the Dominicans. That would be cool. But I remember uh, sitting there when I was like 15 or 16. And uh, I don't know what we were doing. Just finished playing basketball or something. And we're, stand, we're sitting outside with one of the chaperones and talking and um, he's like, yeah, he said, you know, God wants you to get out of your comfort zone. And I was like, why would he want to do that? What sense does that make? Like, why wouldn't God want you to be comfortable and happy? It was like, I never heard that before. It was like a news flash, you know? And I'm not saying nobody's ever said that. I just can't guarantee that I was listening to hear it. Sometimes people got to say things a few times. But for whatever reason, like that moment in time, I heard it and I got it. So for us, if we're looking at holiness in this light, where happiness is just like, it's just here, now, it changes, whatever. But holiness, like being a goal, man, how much can I just give for God today? How much? What can we do? And I tell you what, you know, like this, this thing, Supreme Court decision, you know, this past week as far as marriage goes, you know, and all this is, there's a ton of things to talk about. You know, but at the end of the day, right, if we're going with what the Bible says, you know, holiness is the goal here. And uh, we want to be in marriages and in relationships, right, that are holy. Like, that's the idea. Like, that's the goal here. Happiness is just not going to work out. And, and, you know, who defines love and what it is? And for the Christian... The Bible is defining the love there. And, and that is drawing a hard line. But at the same time, like, you know, sin is sin. So whatever, you know, it is. But um, holiness for us is really the goal. Like, that's just top notch. So we never even looked at Joshua. Let's look at him real quick. It's not even, it's not even long. Check it out. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. So we got like one more hour left. I'm just kidding. So verse 1, it says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. You got to be very careful how you say that. And went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. 
Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark, do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Here's why I picked this passage, and here's why this applies to us this morning. They're about to enter into what God has prepared for them. So God has prepared the promised land. For, they're about to enter into it. It's a good season of life, like to be into that life. That you, you know, you just enter to where you know stress is maybe minimal, and it's just, it's just like it just feels a little bit easier. You know, it's not quite as heavy, and they're about to enter into that. And they got to cross the Jordan. They're going to cross another river. Because before it was the Red Sea, right? He parted the Red Sea for him. So they're going to cross the Jordan. They're going to go into that. And Joshua, the leader at that time, he says, Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. So consecrate. That, that means keep yourself holy. Like set yourself apart. Withdraw from stuff focus on God, really try and stay tight with Him right now. That involves fasting, praying, however it might look for the person, for them. They're saying, hey, let's put this thing top-notch priority right now. So he says, consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow God is going to do what He's going to do. Consecrate ourselves today, right now, the next few minutes, this day, give it to Him. And then the Lord just takes care of the rest. That is very, very good news. Because I don't have to worry about the end product part. I keep myself holy today. I write my check and I throw it in my thing about how much it hurts my family. It's tough for us. We throw it in there. Done. God will take care of the rest of that part. I will call up so-and-so because I feel like I should. I don't even know what to say. I just feel like I should. God will take care of the rest. I will come to church this morning. My week has sucked. It's been horrible. I feel really depressed. I probably won't tell anyone. But I'm just going to go and do it. The Lord will make up the difference. Consecrate ourselves today. We focus on our part. The Lord shows up, takes care of the rest. And who knows how the heck he's going to do it. He had to march around Jericho. Who does this? Marches around seven times. That's military strategy? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. It's just ridiculous. I can just imagine people in Jericho like killing them. Just killing them. But it doesn't matter. They consecrated themselves. They took care of what they could today by keeping it holy, keeping it in check. Let God make up the difference. But what? But what about this? But what? I don't know. I don't know. Like that's the faith part. That's the part we've got to trust God with. So when you're living a life of holiness, like that's the focus, you know, that's the idea, that's the mindset. So when I'm in, you know, that marriage, you know, with my wife, like that's the mindset. It's not my personal happiness. Basically what we said at the altar is that my personal happiness is like 
so secondary and far down the list and upholding, you know, my wife or my spouse is number one on the list. That's it right there. That's it right there. That's the needs. It's her needs. It's not even coming back to mine anymore. Hopefully some of that happiness will get met along the way. And I think that God would like to see that happen. He says in His Word, commit your ways and I'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, but commit your ways to Him first. Because He cares about our desires. He definitely does. But hopefully I'm not too proud or busy or whatever to miss it. So close here. Many Americans... Many Christian Americans tend to think of God bringing us perpetual happiness, good times, and good feelings. And He might. And He probably will because He loves us. I'm not saying He won't. But that's not the sole reason why we follow Jesus. We don't follow Jesus because He's going to make us happy. We follow Jesus because He saved us. Big time difference. Big time difference. I follow Jesus because He's my King. I get in the Word because He's my Savior. I stay in the Word because I need the Holy Spirit to show me what to do and how to live and how to make decisions. In Psalms it says, I've hidden your Word in my heart so I won't sin against you. Got to get that thing in there. If I'm even flipping the pages, it's not even close to getting in there. I don't have time, you know, and I can't and and we could figure out a way. We could figure out a way to get time. It's paramount. Holiness is the issue. So we follow Him in response to what He did. Because at the end of the day, the perfect model, Jesus Christ, that's what He did. He chose holiness instead of happiness. That's what He did. Because if He wanted to be happy and He wanted to feel better... That whole praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like he, he was praying and just agonizing and crying and weeping. And it wasn't because he was happy about what was coming up. He was very distraught and unhappy about it. In fact, he didn't want to do it. Guys would rather not. There's another way. Like, let's do this. Some other way. That's fine. He chose holiness. He chose the cross. That's our model. That's our model. First Peter. Right? First Peter. Last slide on there. The verse that sums up. And it's a command. It's not really a suggestion. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires of you had when you lived in ignorance, right? But here it is. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Right? That is the issue here. It's command. Hey man, be holy. Part of God is living in you. And God like can't be around other stuff that's not about Him. And the struggle, the difficulty is that, of course, we live in a world that's not full of holiness. And then God asks us to live in this world that's not all holy. And He asks us to, like, infiltrate in there. 
bring love, bring light. But yet we, you know, have to be holy and set ourselves apart. That takes real wisdom and discernment to be able to do that. And man, do we have to be locked into prayer and the Holy Spirit to help us do that. It's critical. It's critical. So what we'll do is we'll close, um, we'll close in one song here. And um, we're going to play it. Jesus paid it all. We're going to play that song. Um, because like that's what He chose. You know, He chose holiness right, over happiness. And I think it's worthwhile to reflect on that, think about it. And during this time in the song, it may be uh, applicable uh, for you to just uh, be honest with God about stuff. You know, and just say, I've been putting off this whole holiness thing and I don't even really think too much about it. And, you know, when it's said and done, you know, my personal happiness kind of takes center stage. I don't know where it is. You know, maybe that's not the case. But nonetheless, I think it's worthwhile to take like a few minutes and talk with God about it. So uh, let's play that song and then uh, we'll come back together. What's that? Jesus paid it all. That's all right. We'll stand and we'll pray together then. That's fine. So we'll stand and we'll pray together. And so what I want to do is, uh, so let's um, bow our heads. And uh, I'll give you like a minute or so. Just pray to yourself. You know, you don't have to pray a lot. Just uh, pray to yourself uh, about God, uh, about holiness and where all this stuff, you know, connects with it. And then we'll pray together after that. So Lord, we just pray that um, we would not be uh, enslaved by this idea of just uh, happiness and just doing whatever we want, whenever we want, and our happiness is just the ultimate goal. And help us not to buy into the lie that Satan gives us that true happiness is best found apart from God because God just is too many rules and too tight and too constrictive. Pray, Lord, that um, we would be able to take seriously what Peter wrote about, about being holy. Trying to maintain holiness and just keeping in close contact with you and just realizing uh, that at the end we're going to have to give account what you've given us and, and, and how you've led us how you've gifted us so I pray Lord that happiness versus holiness Lord this could be at the forefront of our minds um, as we go forth this week and as we hang out with families and be around picnics enjoy some good food 
Pray, Lord, that you could just uh, speak through us and talk through us. You put us in situations and around people that maybe need to hear some encouragement, maybe need to hear some good news. Pray that you could bring to our minds ways to uh, pick up our brothers and sisters. Pray that you could show us ways to pray for our brothers and sisters. So if we could, let's just have like uh, one or two people um, just pray just to close this morning. Yeah, you had brought them to a point 